The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Chris Camillo, who has written a book called Laughing at Wall Street, How I Beat the Pros on Investing and How You Can Too. Welcome to the show, Chris. Ah, thanks so much, Jordan. Let's just start with your somewhat unusual background to be somebody giving people investment advice, but tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to write Laughing at Wall Street. Yes, well, well, well you know, investing for me has always been a hobby. Um, I did briefly uh, have a couple of internships in college uh, working for Dean Witter and for Fidelity Investments. But other than that, I've always been a Wall Street outsider. I uh, never worked uh, for investment companies, never worked on Wall Street. I worked a lot of jobs outside of Wall Street. Uh, most recently, uh, spent 10 years uh, as a market research professional, uh, building uh, research panels. Uh, did a lot of odds and end jobs before that. Worked a little bit in Hollywood. Um, washed cars as a kid. Uh, but my background is certainly not as a professional, uh, as a, prof- as a financial professional. Uh, this has really been a hobby for me. So before we get into the details of how you think people can beat Wall Street, kind of give me a sense of how most people perceive Wall Street and how it's difficult to beat Wall Street. You're saying you can beat Wall Street, but give me a sense of what the common perception would be of investing before people read your book. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's always been two long-established methodologies uh, that are really driving all the investment decisions on Wall Street and how people generally invest. On one hand, you have fundamental analysis uh, in the Warren Buffett way, right? And then fundamental uh, analysis is essentially where we try to pick stocks that are priced unjustifiably low based on what we think uh, might be the true value of that company. So we try to find stocks that we believe, you know, doing our own analysis are worth more uh, than other professionals or other people following those stocks think are worth. And and the problem there is you're assuming that other people are making mistakes and you know more than others based on, on your, uh, you know, professional opinion or the professional opinion of your stockbroker or mutual fund manager or analyst uh, that you're paying to pick stocks for you. Um, so it, it, it's really a big game. Uh, that if you look at it over the past you know, many decades, very few professionals have been able to use fundamental analysis to outperform the market uh, in general. So, so really, at the end of the day, it doesn't work. Now, there are some great fundamental analysts, uh, such as Warren Buffett, that have been successful using that philosophy, but he's willing to wait decades and decades for the market uh, to realize their mistakes in a stock and for his stock to appreciate um, based on the information that, that, that he knew 
was correct about that particular company. Uh, and that's a very intimidating way to go about investing. Now, there's nothing wrong with it per se, um, but you're not going to – it's very difficult in today's market to make an incredible amount of money as an amateur uh, using fundamental analysis. There's a lot of smart people out there, and it's difficult to have an advantage over other fundamental uh, analysts in the market. You also have technical analysis, and that's something that every investor at some point in their career dips into, and that's where you have all the charting and and trying to figure out what a stock is going to do next based on what that stock has done in the past. Um, there's a tremendous amount of uh, you know data there that shows that technical analysis does not work. You have Wall Street with supercomputers now trying to edge out uh, the market within milliseconds, right, uh, quicker than any of us can potentially do as amateur investors. So, again, technical analysis is not for me, and it's not something that I recommend for anyone uh, looking to make money in the stock market. So th- those are the, really the two ways that we look at investing, and both of them are either intimidating or it's hard to envision how, how an ordinary person can have an advantage over Wall Street using either one of those methods. Uh, my method, so of course, if is not using different. fundamental technical analysis, what method do you recommend then? Well, you know, my method of investing is, is actually very simple. Um, I, I refer to it as information arbitrage. And essentially what it is, is uh, initiating an investment when you believe that you know something uh, that would potentially impact a publicly traded company either positively or negatively that the market does not know yet. Now, this is not illegal inside information, uh, but this could be anything uh, that you see in the real world that would potentially have a major impact on a publicly traded company that the market has not yet seen. The market hasn't realized or, or, or come to understand what you have seen as fact yet, right? So that's when you initiate an investment. Uh, you exit the investment the very second that the market at large or Wall Street um, has come to see what you had seen either days, weeks, or months earlier, right? And so the concept there is that the market is very good at taking all the data that exists today and pricing that into a stock. So take any company, you know, take, take Apple Computer. Uh, based on all the things that we know now about Apple, you know, that stock has a certain price associated with it. Now, if you were able to see something that the market didn't see that would potentially have a negative impact on that company, that you have to assume that once the market comes to learn that information, the stock will be negatively impacted, right? And on the flip side, if it's positive information, that stock will be positively impacted. So rather than spending your time try to, trying to price a company based on information that's out there today, you spend a longer amount of time looking for information that is not um, widely known or accepted by the market. Now, the flip side of that type of investing is it's very difficult, as you can imagine. It's simple but difficult to come across information that the market at large hasn't come across yet. So whereas most people invest in stocks, maybe a new stock every day or week or month, uh, I maybe make one or two investments a year because it's very difficult to find information that would materially impact a publicly traded company that the market and Wall Street has not seen yet. Uh, and you might have to wait a year or longer uh, to find that information. Uh, so it's not. And is this through personal today. experience you're saying? You're yeah. going to a store or you've dealt with the product? How, how could the average person find information that's not yet factored in the stock? 
Well, you know, listen, you'd be very surprised, right? We think that, you know, Wall Street has thousands of analysts and they're getting paid uh, to do exactly that. Um, but the reality is that Wall Street is full of financial analysts, right? And so their backgrounds are in looking at data and looking at you know, financial information and trying to make sense of it. Uh, they're not private investigators, right? Their job isn't out to go out there and really understand what's happening in the real world. So what happens is Wall Street professionals and Wall Street firms spend an incredible amount of money to conduct research to try to find out what's happening in the real world, right? What's happening across middle America? What's going through the brains of consumers that are going to either impact positively or negative companies that they follow, so if you think about it, we are those consumers, right? We're those consumers, our families, our friends. We're in real America. We're knee-deep in the real world every day, right? So we're seeing the things that are happening in the real world as we live our lives. Wall Street usually doesn't pick up on that data until weeks or months after it actually hits the street. So we have a great time advantage on Wall Street. Now, now some, my, some would say that overseas is also very important today, that something could be going well domestically, but something could be blowing up in Europe, and that affects the stock even more than what's, what people are seeing on the ground here in America. Yeah, sure. You know, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. You know, my methodology has really been centered around two areas primarily. Now, not always, but primarily two areas, and that's uh, – Stocks that are closely, trends that are closely related to females and to children. I've always noticed that Wall Street tends to be a little bit slow picking up on trends and material changes uh, that are caused uh, by females and children, right? Um, so if you look at a lot of my investments over the years, um, uh, you know, several of them, a lot of the ones that I talk about in the book might be fashion-oriented or gaming-oriented. Uh, I'll give you, you know, one story. I don't know if you remember when uh, the PlayStation, the new PlayStation, the new Xbox came out. Maybe it was about uh, yes. four years ago. Okay, well, all of the media and all of Wall Street was centered on the PlayStation and centered on Microsoft because historically those have been the two big platforms yeah. that were waiting on the new Xbox and new PlayStation. Well, I actually had went to the E3 conference, which is the big gaming conference, with my little brother who had just turned 21, and that was my birthday present to him. He was a big gamer, right? So I went to the E3 com conference and was really hanging out with a bunch of kids and gamers, much younger than myself. I knew very little about gaming at the time. And what I had come away from uh, with that conference is that there was actually a third gaming platform that was going to be much larger in terms of its initial release than either the Xbox or the PlayStation, and that was called the Wii. Um, at the time, hardly anyone was covering the Wii. Uh, Wall Street analysts were completely ignoring Nintendo. Why? Nintendo hadn't done anything exciting in years or in decades, right? <laughs> so I had realized that this Wii... Um, was going to be huge based on actually seeing kids engage and interact with the machine. And not just kids, but seeing adults at the show interact and engage with the machine. Um, so I had made a you know, huge investment in Nintendo, uh, and I think I just about tripled my money over the course of about 15 months in Nintendo playing the release of the Wii as the rest of the world and the rest of the market, Wall Street in particular, uh, you know, uh, came to terms with the fact that Nintendo really did have a hit uh, gaming platform. So in order for you out. to do that, you'd have to go to a convention like that. Is that something the average person no, would no, not, do? Not necessarily. I mean, that, listen, that, that was one particular 
event in my life uh, that was related to my little brother. I, I wasn't. Th- I w- remember I wasn't at the convention as an analyst or, or, or for, uh, you know, as a uh, you know business. Uh, I was at the convention just to you know take a look at you know some of the gaming things. There were a lot of consumers at that convention just hanging out, checking out the new games, and, and just hanging out with real people. Um, there was a similar investment uh, you can look at, which was Guitar Hero. Right, uh, Guitar Hero had just an absolutely incredible impact on the company that had produced that game, uh, Activision, and it took Wall Street many many months to realize how big. Uh, the guitar hero phenomenon was going to be, but if you were a mom right who who or dad uh, that had a kid in that age group and had seen uh, the level of excitement and engagement around that game when it first came out, there was no doubt in your mind that guitar hero was going to be as huge as it was and it was a real game changer for the for this relatively small company uh, Activision that had produced that game at the time. So basically, you're seeing things that are out there, but the average Wall Street person is not. So, I mean, you'd think they'd be all over new product introductions and when a Wii is coming out or the Guitar Hero that the analysts would be picking up on that right away. Why are they well, missing such major things? Well, you listen, they, they miss major things every day when they're in categories that they're not particularly comfortable with, and that's why I tend to focus on female and youth-oriented trends. I mean, how about Michelle Obama and J. Crew? Do you remember when she had worn uh, that dress, that J. Yes. Crew dress, the very first time on Jay Leno? I think it was a December episode of Jay Leno before Obama uh, had become president. Do mm-hmm. you remember she wore that dress? She was uh, ultimately, I think for about two or three months after wearing that dress, she was covered by just about every weekly tabloid in America. So, you know, us weekly people... Uh, all had Michelle Obama on the cover wearing this J. Crew dress and wearing other J. Crew clothes. And she came out and basically said, Yeah, I love J. Crew. That's where I buy a lot of my clothes, right? Now, you know, Wall Street kind of laughed it off and, and thought, Oh, you know, interesting, but who, who cares, right? They didn't realize how big uh, of a deal that was, right? Michelle Obama was essentially now uh, endorsing. Uh, a brand, J. Crew, and what happened was we had millions of African Americans going to J. Crew based on Michelle Obama's endorsement, and they ended up picking up an entirely new demographic of shopper as a result of Michelle Obama's endorsement. Now, J. Crew came out with earnings several months later, and they had record earnings, and the CEO actually came out and, and professed. In that, in part, um, you know, their sales were impacted uh, by Michelle Obama's endorsement of the brand, right? Okay. So at that point, then you had Wall Street coming out, going, "Wow, Michelle Obama had a huge impact on J. Crew. Sales are up. They have a new audience sector. Who knows how big this can be?" And the stock went through the roof. Now, if you were a regular person watching Jay Leno or had those tabloid magazines on your coffee table, you could have made that correlation way before Wall Street made that correlation, had the opportunity to take advantage of that. You know, another example I'll give you, which is... Just Actually, any- let's go to a break. Chris, we're going to go to your next example to come back. Um, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Chris Camillo. Uh, he's the author of a new book called Laughing at Wall Street, How I Beat the Pros at Investing and How You Can Too. We'll be back after this.
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Chris Camillo. Uh, he has a new book called Laughing at Wall Street, How a Wall Street Outsider Beat the Pros and How You Can Too. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Thank you. Uh, you were uh, going to give a little bit more detail about exactly how successful you have been at this. Uh, so give us a little, some of the numbers there. Yeah. So, um, you know, part of the reason for the book uh, and how I got the book deal is I, I was an, an amateur uh, investor. And between 2007 and 2010, I had turned, I think it was sixty or $70,000 into $2.4 million in that time period. It became, uh, for a short period of time, the world's number one ranked self-directed investor uh, through a third-party company that tracks self-directed investors over, I think, 40,000 accounts uh, called Covester.com. Um, and of that $70,000 initial investment, I was using just 20000 of it for what I call big money investing. So it was really just about $20,000 to over $2 million in a relatively short uh, time span of three years. Uh, you're looking at 100x uh, your money. So it just shows that an ordinary person uh, can do something astonishing uh, with, a, with a very reasonable amount of investment capital, turning tens of thousands of dollars into millions of dollars over a short period of time uh, if you have the patience uh, to follow this type of information arbitrage investment methodology. Tell us a little bit about what you can find at your website at laughingatwallstreet.com and uh, how you pay for leads and explain how that all works. Yeah, so I recently, you know, laughingatwallstreet.com, one thing that's really interesting about my Wall Street is I am the only financial author uh, in, in history, I believe, I haven't found another one yet, who has had his trading uh, records publicly audited. Um, so you can go to laughingatwallstreet.com and actually see uh, by an independent accounting firm that I have indeed 
turned uh, you know that initial investment capital to over two point million four million dollars in roughly three I think it was three and a half years, um, and that's on my website for anyone to see. I also have a blog on my uh, website, laughingatwallstreet.com, where I list my investment observations. So my methodology and what I teach you how to do in the book is to retrain your mind to see your world differently. So I teach you how to start to identify investment observations in your everyday life. It's not, you know, my type of investing methodology is not about doing extensive due diligence and sweating over financials all day long. It's not about that. In fact, I have uh, very little uh, investment language uh, in my book at all. It's really about trying to figure out how to see things in your everyday life, whether you're at a restaurant or a store or the mall or an amusement park or how to leverage your family and friends and people you speak with at work to start to identify things that are material in life that could have a substantial impact on a publicly traded company. Um, so, you know, one, you know, another example of that is, I'm sure, uh, Jordan, did you see Avatar the movie when it first came out? Yes. By chance. So, I I did as well, and a lot of people did. You know, looking at the box office results uh, from Avatar, but I happened to see Avatar at an IMAX theater, and I'll never forget because leaving that theater. Um, I thought myself, and I watched in 3D, I thought, wow, you know, this movie is going to dramatically change, uh, you know, entertainment, Hollywood entertainment as we know it. And as a result of this movie, there are going to be a lot more 3D films coming out over the next few years. And where I personally only used to visit uh, an, an, an IMAX theater perhaps once every three or four years, um, I said, you know, I could see myself going to IMAX now maybe two or three times a year. And if you make that correlation, what type of an impact is that going to have on IMAX, a publicly traded company? Uh, so you have this one film that could potentially be a huge game changer for a company like IMAX and that now people will be dramatically increasing the frequency to which they would be inter- interested in going to an IMAX theater with all these new 3D films that were sure to come out. Well, so how did that investment work out? Well, you know, if you look, uh, and I, I don't have the specifics in front of me, but uh, IMAX went up considerably. I think it, the IMAX stock, I want to say it, 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 it uh, over uh, doubled or slightly greater than doubled in the in the uh, six months after that movie had come out. And it took a little while, though. It took a few weeks uh, for Wall Street to begin to make that correlation uh, between the fact that IMAX uh, was going to substantially benefit uh, from this change, right, this material change in the types of movies Hollywood was going to be producing. But anyone who would have went to see that movie Avatar would have walked out the theater and you could have made that correlation in a matter of minutes and jumped on that stock play and made a tremendous amount of money in IMAX. And, again, that's something that anybody, just an ordinary person, can do. And that's really what I teach you. So what I do in terms of my investing methodology is I'm constantly making investment observations. Uh, every day I'm seeing things in the real world that I say, hey, that's interesting. I never saw someone wearing that, or I'm starting to see a lot of people wearing those jeans, or, wow, that store has a really long line outside of it. Um, you know, I joke in my book, if you were in an amusement park 10 years ago and 
saw an entire family decked out in, in Crocs, right? Different, differently, different colored Croc uh, sandals. Um, you should have said, what are those things? Is that company public? And I need to look into this, right? Um, but I teach you how to make these observations. And then in my book, I teach you how to conduct due diligence to determine if what you see on the street could potentially correlate to an investment in a publicly traded company. And part of what I teach you to do is I have a formula uh, where you can determine if what you see is game-changing and then if that game-changing thing for that company is widely recognized by Wall Street or not. So if Wall Street's already picked up on what you're seeing, then there's not an opportunity for an information arbitrage type of investment. But if you see something in the term and, hey, this is going to be big. This is going to materially impact this company that happens to be publicly traded. And you can determine that the market at large and Wall Street has not yet identified what you had identified in that company. Then that is an opportunity to make an information arbitrage investment. So you might make dozens, if not hundreds of observations over the course of a year to get to just one or two of those information arbitrage opportunities. So what I try to incentivize my readers to do is to send me their observations. Anytime that you see something on the street in your everyday life, every time you see something on a social network like Twitter or Facebook, and maybe it's one of your friends uh, that's doing something or saying something or talking about a different brand or product that you think could be game-changing for a company, email it to me. I will help you do the due diligence. If I think that you found something interesting, I'll post it on my blog, and I'll write you a check for $250. So I'm paying ordinary people to send me their investment observations from the street. So what would be some examples of things people have sent to you that you found interesting recently? Well, well here's, here's a good one. This, this is one off, of, uh, one off of Facebook. And I just launched this, this blog a couple of weeks ago. So really, it's, it's barely even public yet that I'm doing this. So, so I, I love the opportunity here to announce it today. Um, but, you know, social networking is something that I just mentioned. And, and, you know, the social networks that exist today are a great resource uh, to be able to observe what's happening uh, around you and make those investment observations. I remember a few years ago, I was actually logging into Facebook, and I noticed that one of our friends, uh, who happens to be a mother of young twins, I, I think her twins were age uh, three at the time, had just commented on Facebook, you know, my twins were silent in the first time in three years for over an hour, right? And I ran into the living room thinking something must, must have been wrong and noticed that they were watching this new show on the Disney Channel that just started airing. The show is called Chuggington. And I've never seen them act that way with a television show. They were absolutely just obsessed with it, right? So I'm really looking forward uh, to having this show to entertain my kids. Well, something interesting happened. Uh, a lot of her other mom friends started chiming in on Facebook and having posts saying, same thing happened here. My son saw it or my daughter saw it. And yes, I can't believe how good the show is. And I said, wow, that this new show, Chuckington, on the Disney Channel seems to really be big. I spent about 15 minutes, uh, you know, Googling Chuggington, who's buying this show, is it a big network? If so, there probably wasn't an opportunity for an investment. By the way, that's one of the other things I teach you is, it, you know, you have to find 
something game-changing that would actually move the needle for a publicly traded company. If you're talking about a large, multi-billion dollar company, it better be something really big. In the case of this Chuggington, it was produced by a very small English company over in the U.K. Uh, that was trading on the foreign exchange, but I believe they had under 20 employees, were very, very small, and it was publicly traded. So the fact that they came out with this game-changing hit show that I knew was going to be huge based on the reaction I was seeing uh, told me that this is a game-changing moment for that small company. Now, they, the stock had already been up somewhat, but I think I made an additional 50% on that stock in just a couple months by investing in it that very next day. Um, why? Because I was able to get in on it quick, and I was able to see something uh, that was game-changing for a small publicly traded company before, before the ratings came out, right? And Wall Street saw that, wow, the show is doing really well, which is exactly what happened. You know, a month after the show premiered, you know, people started watching it and talking about it and socially got engaged with it with their friends. And before you knew it, this became a hit show, and Chuggington is now a big children's show. I was able to pick up on it the first day that it aired. And I didn't, I didn't, at the time, I didn't even have kids. Right, so what, what I had was no the way stock, to see it. What myself. was the stock of the company that produces Chuggington? Uh, that is, oh boy, it's a, it's a good question. Um, it's been a while since I made the investment. Is a small uh, English company, and I don't have it off the top of my head. Uh, okay, I invested in it and sold it and forgot about it since then. But, but I do, I do speak about it in the book, and it, 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 the name of the company is actually there in my book. Love okay, no problem. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Chris Camillo. Uh, he's come out with a new book called Laughing at Wall Street, How I Beat the Pros of Investing and How You Can Too. Uh, he has a website related to the book, which is laughingatwallstreet.com. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. 
Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Chris Camillo. Uh, He has a book called Laughing at Wall Street, How I Beat the Pros of Investing and How You Can Too. He has a website related to the book, which is laughingatwallstreet.com. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Thank you. Uh, you were saying that some people are put off by this because they don't think that they have enough money to really get started. We have a whole chapter called Other People's Money. How can people get investing uh, in the things you're talking about even if they don't have a lot of money? Yeah, well, well, well two things. First of all, I, I like to always distinguish the type of investing that I do. I, I call big money investing, right? Um, and that's because I believe, you know, we all have what we have call savings accounts, or most of us should, right, and do and do have savings accounts. And then we all have spending accounts. Um, but very few of us have what I call a big money account. Um, now, a, a, a savings account is an account where we have our 401K, we have money that we put away slowly uh, for retirement and other things that come across uh, during the course of our life. And that's very important. And a lot of times we invest with mutual funds, uh, in our 401k, and that, and that's totally fine. Some of us have stockbrokers. Again, that, that's totally fine. Um, however, um, you have to be able to take large risk, like actual real large risk to be able to make it big in the stock market, to be able to replicate what I have done, turning $20,000 into over $2 million, is not something that you can do unless you're willing to risk and risk risk big by leveraging your money in what I call leveraged stock options, uh, in which case, if you're wrong about that investment, you can lose all of your money. So a lot of people come to me and they say, hey, Chris, I don't know about pulling money out of my retirement savings uh, to buy these stock options when I come across a good information arbitrage investment. I, I say, that's, that's fine. I, I wouldn't tell you to do that. But I do want you to create a new um, section of your savings, and I want you to call it your big money account. And it could start off with $0. And this account is money that you will specifically invest in the methodology of my book, on your own, without any help from any stockbrokers, uh, specifically to try to turn $1 into $100, right? Um, so the goal is whether you start with $1,000 and turn into 100000 or if you start with 20000 like me and turn into $2 million, it's to make big money off of your investments, right? And I feel that everyone should have an account um, or compartmentalize some of their finances to make it big, over a short period of time, as in three to five years, rather than having to grow your money slowly over 30 to 40 years. You should be able to do both, right? So yes. the, the big money account, what I've found is the easiest way to do that is to you know, basically add money into your big money account that you don't mind losing, right? Money that you really wouldn't have had 
um, if you didn't specifically save it for your big money account. So I teach you to think of every dollar in your life as a potential $100 if you invest it correctly using my methodology. And when you start to think of $1 as $100, it changes everything. So what happens is you will start to see opportunities to either save money through frugality um, or in other occasions you'll be able to make trade-off decisions in your life to be able to put money into your big money account. So here's an example. Everyone, you know, people occasionally like to clip coupons. Some of us, if we get a coupon to save $5, great, I'll, I'll take that for, for an oil change. But I'm not willing to clip a 25-cent coupon uh, for a bar of soap at the grocery store. Well, if you look at that 50-cent coupon, not as 50 cents, but as potentially 100 times that 50 cents, all of a sudden that 50-cent coupon becomes $50, right? So now would you be willing to clip a 50-cent coupon if you can put that 50 cents that you saved into your big money account where you hope to grow that 50 cents into $50? And that's how you start to lower the bar on your frugality and you start to find new ways to save money. Likewise, you know, maybe we're not willing to mow our own lawn because it's a pain in the butt and you can get it mowed for 20 bucks a month. You'd rather pay someone 20 bucks a month to mow it for you. Well, what if that $20 a month that you were paying to get your lawn mowed was $2,000 a month? Would you be willing to mow your lawn yourself now? In a lot of cases, I think you would. So instead of mowing your lawn, instead of having your lawn, lawn mowed by a professional, Maybe you start mowing it yourself, and you take that $20, and you put it into your big money account. You don't take the $20 and buy dinner with it. You take the $20 because you look at that $20 as potentially becoming 2000 And that's what incentivizes you to start mowing your lawn. Before you know it, you have a few hundred dollars, even a few thousand dollars in your big money account. That's what I call other people's money, right? That's money that should have been you know, your lawnmower's money from the guy who used to mow your lawn. It should have been, you know, money that the grocery store would have gotten. But you got it because you end up clipping up that 50-cent coupon. Maybe you get your hair cut every four weeks, but you're willing to stretch it out to five weeks because that money you save by stretching your hair cut from four to five weeks saves you 15 bucks a month. Now, ordinarily, 15 bucks is not worth it, but 150 bucks, or excuse me, $1,500, which is 100X, is worth it now. And I tell a story in my book. Uh, in terms of how I saved money into my big money account, I was going to buy a big screen. This is many years ago when, when large screen DLP TVs were, were very expensive and they first come out. So theoretically, if you can get a big screen TV for $2,500, um, or if you can wait six months until that, you know, the prices come down and save maybe $300 on that big screen, would you be willing to wait six months? Well, at the time, I wasn't willing to wait six months to save $300 because I wanted to watch the Super Bowl. I wanted to watch, you know, who knows what on that big screen. And it wasn't worth it for me. But when you look at that $300 as $30,000, all of a sudden, would you be willing to wait an additional six months to, to make that purchase if you knew that purchase was going to be cheaper to save not 300 but $30,000? Well, then it becomes a no-brainer. So when you start to think about every dollar in your life as $100, every single day you will come across an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Normally, it wouldn't be worth my time or energy to do this, but when I'm looking at a dollar as $100, all of a sudden, there's all these opportunities to save money. 
And this big money account, before you know it, has thousands of dollars in it. And then a year or two years later, when you come across that big investment play, that will happen. If you follow my investing methodology, it could take a year or two. But when you come across it, all of a sudden now you have $2,000 sitting in your big money account. And it's $2,000 that you didn't have to pull from retirement. It's $2,000 that you saved by being frugal and by making life trade-offs. And so you might take that $2,000 and make an ever leverage investment play with it that could potentially reap you 10 to 20 times your money. So there you have $2,000 that you just turn into 20000 or $30,000 through a single information arbitrage investment because when you make a leverage investment and that's what I teach you how to do in my book you're buying stock options and when you buy stock options you're leveraging the power of your money so if you purchase a stock option in a company that goes up 40% in a couple of months you're not making 40% on your money you're making sometimes 2 and 3000% on your money but you so let's talk a little bit about the options lose it all. since that's a key part of it let's talk a little bit about the options Options work well when they go the right direction. You lose all your money when they go the wrong direction. What length of time do you want options? Two or three months, or do you like two and three year well, leaps? What kind of options okay. do you recommend? It, 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 I, I do go over that extensively in the book, so it's not a black and white, clear cut answer. Um, it really all has to do, generally it's several months, right? In most cases, you hold the option for several months. But what you're looking for is to purchase an option. And But when you buy an option, what you're buying is the ability to purchase a lot of stock at a preset price for a prolonged period of time. So what you're hoping for is that the stock will go up before the, end, the option expires so that you can purchase all that stock at a very low price and sell it at a much higher price. And you never actually own the stock. You're just leveraging your money exponentially. But what you're hoping for is that there's an event that's going to happen. That event could be an earnings conference call, right? Uh, that event can be a number of things where you think, Wall Street will have the opportunity to identify what you had identified weeks or months earlier. One specific example, let's go back to the Michelle Obama J. Crew example. You saw Michelle Obama wear J. Crew on Jay Leno. Then you saw her on the cover of Us Weekly and you thought, man, this is going to be huge for J. Crew. Let's say all of my friends are going to J. Crew because of this Michelle Obama thing. You go to J. Crew and see all these people shopping in there that had never been in J. Crew before, but they were turned on to the brand because of her endorsement. What's going to happen if your hypothesis that Michelle Obama's endorsement of J. Crew is going to positively impact J. Crew's sales? That will be shown to the investing world during their next earnings conference call, which happens every three months, as you know. So you would purchase stock options that would expire after the following earnings conference call that J. Crew had, which is exactly what happened. J. Crew had their earnings conference call. They came out. Earnings were through the roof. They were much better than Wall Street had anticipated, partially because of the Michelle Obama endorsement. So you have to align your option expirations with various events in that company that would give you the opportunity uh to ensure that the rest of the world finds out about what you had already known. So it's a little bit more complex than that, and I do explain it uh, very clearly in the book, but it's different for every investment. So you need to give it enough time for the event to happen and then for that to be reflected in the stock price. It, it, exactly. And, you know, the important thing is there is 
you know, whenever you invest in options and stock options, there was always that chance that you will lose your entire investment. And that is a very difficult thing for most, you know, ordinary people that are not professional investors. Even for professional investors, it's a very difficult thing to wrap your head around that you could make a $2,000 investment and 30 days from now, it could be gone, wiped out forever. Not down by 10%, but down by 100%. So you're making a calculated risk that you found something material that is going to be a game changer, a major game changer for a specific company. And you have to put your money behind your analysis. And that's the only way you're going to turn, you know, a thousand dollars into a hundred thousand or ten thousand into a million dollars, right? And the only way that you're willing to do that as an ordinary investor is if you're doing it with what I call OPM, other people's money. And that is the best psychological trick that I've come up with to help us get through that barrier of being able to make a multi thousand dollar investment on something that we can entirely lose in a short period of time. But you have to have some pretty strong conviction to be able to do that. You have to really believe in what you're talking about. This is not just a hunch. This is You have to have very strong conviction, and that's why I, I talk about the fact that I only make one or two what I call big money investments a year. Right, because if it was easy and <laughs> you could be doing this every week, right? How much conviction could you possibly have that you found this thing out that's huge and material and game-changing for this publicly traded company, and no one else really knows it yet? Um, that doesn't happen every day or every week, but it does happen. It happens on a regular basis, and there are opportunities, but you have to be extremely patient. Um, and if you have to wait two years for that next big information arbitrage opportunity to come along, then you have to wait two years. And if you don't have the patience, you're going to end up making the investment in something that you want to believe in, uh, but it's not a true information arbitrage investment. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Chris Camillo. Uh, he is the author of a book called Laughing at Wall Street, How I Beat the Pros at Investing and How You Can Too. He has a website related to the book, which is laughingatwallstreet.com. We'll be back after this. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Chris Camillo. He's the author of a new book called Laughing at Wall Street, How I Beat the Pros of Investing and How You Can Too. He has a website related to the book, which is laughingatwallstreet.com. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Thank you. Uh, one area I want to talk about is using Facebook. Uh, a lot of people are on Facebook, almost a, a billion people around the world. How could you use Facebook to uh, spot investment trends that uh, haven't been reflected in the stock price yet? Well, listen, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, all these social networks are extremely important because my time methodology, my investing methodology is all about leveraging your observational network and where your observational network could be your coworkers, your friends, your family, people you come into contact with every day. So if you think back to my earlier example, of uh, that chugging ting investment, I didn't have kids at the time, yet I found out about an incredible children's show and the company behind it, not because I had kids, but because one of my friends on Facebook had kids. There was another recent opportunity that if you were on Facebook, you surely probably came across, uh, I think, you know, one thing that went viral very quickly um, a couple months ago was the Tupac hologram technology that premiered at the Coachella Music Festival. Um, this video went viral on YouTube and Facebook, and I actually saw it, and it was pretty incredible. They had Tupac, uh, the rapper, uh, come back and do a performance with Snoop Dogg at Coachella, and Tupac was being projected on stage w- with a three-dimensional hologram, right? So I saw that millions of people saw this on Facebook, and if you had retrained your mind to think differently, right, to think of everything as a potential investment opportunity, you would have seen that viral video and said, hey, this is huge. This is a ground-breaking technology. This is so cool. And millions of people are watching this YouTube video today. Now, you would have asked yourself, who's the company behind that hologram technology? Because I can see tons of other concerts leveraging that technology in their concerts, right, and other live performances leveraging hologram technology because it was that well-received at the Coachella Music Festival and ultimately by YouTube and Facebook and social networking. So Digital Domain was the name of the company, and I believe the stock nearly doubled in the week and a half after the Coachella Music Conference. So it just shows you if you're quick enough to make that correlation, there are huge opportunities to leverage things like Facebook when you see things trending to say, hey, this isn't just cool and fun to watch. This doesn't just make for an interesting story for me to repost for my friends, but is there a publicly traded company that could benefit 
from this thing, whatever that thing is that you saw on Facebook or Twitter or whatever other social network. So it's really important to leverage your social network to have a better grasp of what's going on in the real world, right? What's trending? What's happening? Because Wall Street is not as quick as you think they are to make those correlations. You can be a lot quicker than they are. By the way, the name of the company that was during the Chuggington in your book is called Ladurum. Yeah, that that's right. Ladurum. Ladurum. Yes, that's, that's, Ladurum. That's, that's, are you flipping through the book right now? It, it's right in there. It is in there. Okay, so, great. Uh, didn't want to leave that as a mystery there. Yeah. No, 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 great. Um, and, and if I could say, I'm always asked all the time, you know, hey, why did you write this book to begin with? You know, you did so well in the market, you made millions of dollars. You know, why write the book? And it's very simple. Um, prior to writing the book, I had, you know, a couple of dozen people who were constantly coming to me and giving me, you know, their investment observations. And a lot of my investments were not based on what I saw, but what based on what my wife saw or my coworkers saw in, in their lives. You know, one example of that uh, is Hunger Games, the movie, right? Hunger Games ended up being one of the biggest movies of the decade. And Lionsgate, the company behind Hunger Games, nearly tripled in the four months before that movie came out as Wall Street realized just how big of a hit Hunger Games was going to be. Because Lionsgate is a very small, publicly traded Hollywood movie studio. And Hunger Games, the movie, actually, I believe, is going to produce more revenue for Lionsgate this year than all of their movies last year put together. So that's why the stock tripled in the months before the, uh, that movie came out. Now, I found out about Hunger Games from a coworker of mine that tipped me off to it, I think seven or eight months before the movie came out, because she and all of her friends had been reading the Hunger Games trilogy. She came into my office. She said, Chris, you know, her name is Danielle Hardy. She said, Chris, you know, I think this is going to be even bigger than Harry Potter. And if they make a movie out of this book... I guarantee you it is going to be huge. Unfortunately, I ignored her, and I missed out on the Hunger Games investment. Uh, but when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, and I realized it was going to be just as big, I did the due diligence. Unfortunately, Fifty Shades of Grey uh, is being made into a movie by Universal Pictures, which is a division of GE, which is a much larger publicly traded company. So that's not big enough to move the needle for GE. So there's no investment opportunity associated with Fifty Shades of Grey. But by writing the book, I'm hoping that instead of having a handful of coworkers and close friends sharing their observations with me, like Danielle did that day, that I'll have thousands to tens of thousands of readers that have retrained their mind to see their world differently, that start noticing things in their everyday life, and to share those things with me, and I will, in turn, share those investment observations on my blog with other readers, and together we'll have a huge one-up on Wall Street uh, by sharing that kind of intellectual capital of things that we're seeing in our real life. And if I can make three or four investments a year instead of one or two, that could be the, a, a huge seven-figure difference for me. So that's why I wrote the book, and that's my goal. So at the website, laughingatwallstreet.com, you not only receive tips and, and observations, but you give them, you pass on what you're hearing so people can judge for themselves whether they think it's going to be big as well. A a absolutely. I, I, I talk about them. I conduct the due diligence, and I will actually um, expose all my due diligence on the Laughing at Wall Street blog. And, you know, if and when, and again, it could be a year or two years before I make my next, you know, big money investment. But when I make it, um, chances are I will be discussing it on Laughing at Wall Street blog. Terrific. Well, this has been fascinating. My guest this hour has been Chris Camillo 
Uh, his book is called Laughing at Wall Street, How I Beat the Pros and Investing and How You Can Too. Uh, you can learn just to take everyday experiences and seeing things on Facebook and watching movies and uh, various kinds of fashion trends and all kinds of things and really make some good money on it without being a real expert uh, yourself. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Chris. Hey, thank you so much, Jordan. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. And again, we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.